All right, well, we are starting a new series today, and it is called The Character of Worship. Um, we are going to walk through what worship is and how, how your character has a lot, if not everything, to do with worship and who you worship. So here's what we're going to do. Um, let's go ahead and jump in. If you have your Bibles, um, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at a couple of different passages today. This is one of them. Um, and, and this is a big verse um, because it explains worship. But sometimes you can run through this and uh, you, can, you can miss. I mean, you can miss a lot. And so let me, let me stop. I, I got a little bit of nervousness going on today and I don't, I don't know why. Let me stop and let's take a little time to, to spend in prayer, if you don't mind. Um, why don't you guys um, take a moment to pray? And uh, spend, spend some time with God and, uh, and let me uh, do the same, if you don't mind. Father God, we we feel awkward in the in the stillness and uh, in the silence. We've got so much going on around us all the time. That to be still and quiet is is painful sometimes. But Father, it's in this stillness and in the the quiet that you really just rattle our cage and get our attention. It's it's in that moment that you that you speak as if you're 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 yelling so that we can hear you. But it's just that that still small voice that's within our hearts. And uh, God, I ask that as we dive into your word, the words that you have spoken the words that bring life, the words that reveal to us how to live. I pray that you and your, your voice will be so clear right now. I pray that you take away whatever nervousness I have for whatever reason. May there be just enough that I stay focused on you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one around you somewhere. Um, and you're, I want you to grab a pen. I want you to fill out these programs um, because, um, you know, we don't make them. So they can just sit there, basically. So, so grab one of those and, and, and fill those out because if you take this home, this, you may put it away in a drawer somewhere and then 10 months later you find it and it's something that you're dealing with and you're like, oh, this is great. So Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. You've heard these verses before. If, if you are a Christian, you've probably heard them a, a lot. Um, so let's just look at them real quick. Let's walk through them. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, Paul is writing to uh, a group of Christians in Rome, and he says, I urge you, brothers, they are his brothers because they are family in Christ, in view of God's mercy. And we talked about God's mercy, was it last week, two weeks ago? How mercy is God 
not punishing you. Mercy is God holding back or altogether saying, I'm not going to punish you. Now, this is a big deal because Paul says, in view of this, in view of the fact that you deserve to be punished, but, in, but the fact is that he is holding back. Because why? We talked about this last week. Because he loves you. He cares for you. He desires to have a relationship with you. So in view of that, that big picture, here's what he says. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, if if you've been in, in a youth group or in church for a long time, maybe you were at a church where all they did or the youth group all they did was talk about the the big three sins you know sex drugs and rock and roll wait no what's the other? yeah rock and roll you know it, it, the, if you've been in a youth group like that then then you automatically think oh oh your bodies are a living sacrifice you know got to keep my body holy and stay away from the sex drugs and alcohol you know that kind of thing and and that's part of it but Paul is actually talking about something much bigger and he's talking about you as a whole in fact, this, this, this phrase, offer your bodies, is, is more of a reference to everything that you are. And, and we'll see here in just a second. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, your mind is not the physical in a sense, because you're thinking, you're, you're, you're processing, that's not physical. And so when he's talking about your bodies need to be a living sacrifice, your minds need to be transformed, he's talking about your heart, your mind, he's saying you as a whole, as a person, need to be transformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In this last sentence. Then then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. That word there, then, that word there, then, that word then, there, there, then, that word then is key because he is making a point. Paul's being very clear. He's saying, listen, if you want to go deeper with God and you want to know God more, then you have to have your mind transformed. You have to let him in. You have to let him change your heart. He doesn't say, listen, God's going to take you and he's just going to make you into the person that he wants you to be. And you hear that a lot. But the fact of the matter is that's just not true because if you choose not to let him in and let him change you and you choose not to let him transform your mind, then he, he won't and he can't. But if you allow him to, be, to transform you and allow him to renew your mind, then you will be able to know his plan for your life. Y'all with me? I mean, this is big time stuff here. If you allow him in, then he will transform you. Now, over the course of, of this series, we are going to see how the actions that you take are part of your character. We're going to see how what you do is a result of what's on the inside here and here. And today we're taking a big picture look at the character, your character as a whole. 
we're going to look at how everything that you are is wrapped up in your character. And here's your first point. Your character defines who you are both to others and to God. Your character defines who you are to others and to God. For example, when you were in grade school, how'd you know the bully was a bully? Because he was pushing people around. You knew because of his actions. How'd you know the sweet girl was the sweet girl? Because she'd run around giving kisses to everybody, right? I mean, this is, this is how you knew their character. This is how you knew who they were. How we know who you are comes out through your actions. And Paul says here, he says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is in verse 1. This is your spiritual act of worship. Being spiritual, it has a little to do with knowing God up here, but it has a whole lot more to do with knowing God here and letting that come out and letting that flow. And it has a lot to do with what you do here and what you do here. Where you go, how you serve, who you serve, all of that should represent Christ. And this is, this is incredibly powerful knowledge, if you know this. Because you may not be the person that you want to be or the person that even God wants you to be. And I'm not talking about you look at yourself in a mirror and you say, oh, this is awful, I'm a horrible person. I'm talking about God, had, God wants you to continue to grow in a relationship with Him. And he wants you to continue. But sometimes you feel like you've stagnated. But the truth is, you're never stagnating. You're never on a plateau. You're either growing with him or you're drawing away from him. There's never this plateau. And so we must understand that if we want a relationship with God that grows and grows and grows, if we want to know his plan for our life, then we must be transformed, and we must allow him to do that. Now, no one intentionally goes out to disobey God. You know, I mean, most Christians, you, you never find a Christian running out there going, you know what, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. You know, if you have a relationship with Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit in your, in your heart, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're doing something wrong, you're getting involved in something, and you feel God tugging on your heart. You know, most, most of us, honestly, if we're, if we're truthful, we don't go out to intentionally sin. We don't go out to intentionally fall off the wagon, if you will. But the thing is, it's still selfishness when we do it. I, I say all the time, you know, whether we sin intentionally or unintentionally, it's all the same. Because it all affects our relationship with God. It's still selfishness and it's still sin. And that's the hard part about life. And this is your next point. We constantly deal with this battle. I, I do anyway. Maybe this is my, my point, not yours. With this battle between our character and unintentional sin. You know what I'm saying? You, you're, you're walking along and you're trying to grow with God and then you've got this unintentional sin and God points it out to you and you're like, ah, you know, it's just frustrating sometimes. And you're constantly dealing with this. But Paul says... Your spiritual act of worship. In other words, 
the way you worship comes out in your actions. He doesn't say your spiritual thoughts of worship. He doesn't say your spiritual, you know, aura of worship. He says your spiritual act of worship. He doesn't even say this is worship. He says this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, Paul is not original in talking about this. He gets it from Jesus, and Jesus gives a very cool and and real um, visual for people to understand this. Um, let, me, let me get you two guys to come on up here, if I can. We're going to look at the parable, the story that Jesus shares about a house built on sand and a house built on the rock. Man, you guys, I just want you all to have fun, all right? We've got some Legos, a few of them. We've got poo in here, man, I don't know, this is, these are all my kids. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to build me a house. Can you all do that? But you all have to do it without talking. Can you do that? Can you just kind of communicate? So we need, we need like walls, and I don't know how you can build a roof, but maybe, I don't know, like a teepee for a roof. I don't know. Y'all, y'all get creative and figure it out, okay? And y'all just go to town here, and we're going to walk through this while, while y'all are doing that, okay? Feel free to take some of those off the floor. All right, so y'all ready? Set, go. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and we're going to look through verse 24 uh, through 27. And what we're going to see here is that your character is revealed by your actions. And this, is, this is your next point. Your character is revealed by your actions, and your actions reveal who you worship. Your character is revealed by your actions, and your actions reveal who you worship. So let's jump in here. It says, Jesus, Jesus has been talking to uh, some Pharisees. This is, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. He's been talking to his disciples. Basically, just a ton of people are around him. He's kind of on, on the top of this hill where everybody can hear him. And, and, he, and he ends his message with this, with this little visual here. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, there's a ton of us that hear Jesus, but we don't put them into practice, put what he asks us to do into practice. I fall into that boat all the time, and I'm sure you do too. He is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now, we in New Orleans totally understand this, right? Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We're going over to Nicole's house this weekend. It's... uh, it's our big service day um, for Nicole, and we've got a lot of stuff to do. We've got to, I was over there, I was over there mowing her grass uh, earlier this week, 
and um, we've got to put in some shrubs. Um, we've got to we've got to fix her porch because you know in order to get up on her ramp, she's kind of got to like get a thirty mile head start. You know, she's like, get ramped up and just, and, and just kind of jump it because you know we got to fix that. We need to stain her porch because the sun has already warped a bunch of boards, so we got to replace some boards and we need to. Stain. We're going to need a ton of help. So if you can come out. Uh, this Saturday from 9 to 1, we need your help. We'll have the equipment. We just need your hands and your feet to come out there. And uh, we'll talk more about that in the announcements here in a minute. But here's the thing. I was looking at her house. I was mowing next to her house. And Kenner has this big-time problem to where the foundation and the soil underneath the foundation just starts to just wash away. Y'all ever seen this? I see it every time I go to her house, somebody's got a sand truck in front of their house, and they're shoving sand underneath their house. And they have to do it on a regular basis. They have to do it like, what, once a year, once every two years? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Now, my good friends out at uh, Davy Shoring, have you, wait, wait, have y'all ever seen a mudslide? Have y'all ever seen what happens when dirt falls out from underneath uh, a, a house or, or just down a hill. I got a video here from uh, CBS. It, well, look at these pictures here. A massive mudslide in southern Italy. It split the side of a hill yesterday after days of heavy rain in the Calabria region. Now, local residents were evacuated. There were more than 100 smaller mudslides that followed. Luckily, no deaths have been reported. Now, the damage from this is incredible. I mean, this is a road, and it's got a 10-foot drop in it with a, a river running through it now. I mean, I mean when, when something like this happens, and you hear about this happening in California all the time, and there was recently one in um, uh, China just, what, a month ago, and people are still missing, and, and it's just an awful, awful thing. Um, there was one in Peru about a year ago. Um, and, and so I, my good friends out at Davy Shoring, um, which would be Laura, um, they, they, they sent me uh, uh, some pictures and showed me, you know, what's it, what it, I, you know I'm sitting here thinking, what exactly is going on? And uh, I couldn't get Davey himself, which, by the way, that's not his real name. Did y'all know that? It is, but it's his last name. His first name's Warren. So anyway, just a little fun fact for you. So here's what happens. When, when you put in a house, you're supposed to drop some of those beans down into the soil, and you're supposed to hit, keep going until you hit rock. And if you don't, well, this is what happens. And this is what's happening in Kenner and, and, you know, anywhere you get around the swamp, it, this is what happens. And, and so this is trouble. Now, if you're with Davy Shoring, they have an excellent patented system. It's called the Permalock system. Go to that next slide there, Cliff. Here it is. And what they do is they drive, they put concrete blocks on top, and then they drive the things down in there. I think this is only uh, a Davy Shoring thing. So uh, I can promote them because nobody else uh, works for any other company, in, right, I think? Okay, so don't sue me. Um, so here's what happens. You, they level out the house because they put the pylons on the rock. They drive it in. This is nothing new. This isn't like, oh, incredible. Everybody knew this. Jesus knew this. It was like, duh. And so back in Jesus' day, what you had to do is you had to get yourself a shovel. They didn't have cranes, you know. You had to get yourself a shovel, and you just dug and dug and dug and dug and dug, and you kept going and kept going and kept going until you reached rock. 
and then you fastened your foundation, the bottom of your house, onto that rock. How you guys doing with this house over here? Oh, this is looking good. Oh, that's nice. You got a door there? Man, you guys are rocking it out. All right, can y'all, can y'all finish that up in about uh, five minutes? Okay, finish that up five minutes for me. No pressure, that's right. So here's the thing. In Jesus' day, the rainy season would start in mid-October. It would go all the way through April. The heavy rains fell from November to February. And when you, when you were in this culture you actually would see this quite often. Because somebody would kind of just go the easy route and not build their house on a rock. And then during this, this rainy season from November to February, they have, I mean, because you, you look over there, it was it's dry. And back in Jesus' day, it wasn't as dry as it is now. But it was still dirt. And so when the rain would come down, it came down. I mean, you know how we have these downpours and it's like, we can't handle it, and everybody's got to stay inside, or you've got to stay in work, or wherever you're at. It was like that. I mean, it's just pouring down, because it comes off the Mediterranean Sea. It's just raining, 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 and all of a sudden, you've got mudslides. And all of a sudden, your house, which is made of clay and some wood, is gone. I mean, it's just gone. And you just hope you're not in it. And so, Jesus says here... In verse 24, he says, everything that I say needs to be done. Everything that I'm talking about, everything that I'm saying needs to be done. And if you don't do it, he calls us a fool. And that's no fun. And we need to understand, this is your next point. We need to understand that our lives depend on our faithfulness to what Jesus has taught. Our very lives, our walk with Him, our relationship with Him, depends on our faithfulness to what He has taught. It depends on us acting out His Word. You can know a lot about Jesus. And I know a lot of people who do. I'm sure you do too. But if you don't act out his words, you probably don't know Jesus that well. If you know him at all. Obeying Jesus, listen, this is, this is so important. Obeying Jesus through action is half of your relationship. If not three quarters, if not 90%. Obeying Jesus through action is... A big deal. Here's, here's why. You can't know Jesus unless you step out in faith. You can't really experience Him and that relationship go deeper unless you step out in faith. There are things you just cannot know about your Lord unless you trust Him and do what He says. When I was 10 years old, I um, was playing baseball. And I was, I was pretty good. I mean, I don't, I'm not like bragging, like, ooh, look at me. But, I, you know, I was, I was decent. But uh, I, I played catcher, and, and I started losing my velocity to get to second. When, when a, bra- a base runner would steal second, I'd start losing my velocity, and I'd one-hop it. And it started getting real frustrating for me. My dad saw it, and he knew exactly what to do. But I was just, I was just in my frustration. 
And so dad one day came home, and we had just baseballs laying around everywhere. Everywhere. And so we took uh, all the baseballs, which are like 100 baseballs, and we put them in a big bucket. And, and he said, I want you to spray paint all these baseballs orange. Okay, you know, I just, okay, I'll do it. And then I was done with that, and, you know, a few days later, he said, Jason, we got to go hang a, a, a tire up on, on the tree over here. And I said, okay, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, cool, he's going to make me throw, you know, baseballs through the, uh, through the tire, because I had lost some of my accuracy as well. I remember this real distinctly, it was, it was just funny. And then, and then, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, let's start throwing, let's get this going, you know, and, and he's like, wait, 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 I want us to nail uh, a big piece of plywood up between these two trees behind this tire. Like, okay, good, that means I don't have to run after the balls as far as, <laughs> fantastic, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And so, we put up the plywood behind the tire, and he puts me, you know, whatever it is, 90 feet away from uh, the tire, and he says, all right, now throw it. And I throw it, and I can't do it. He says, you throw it until you get it in there. You throw it till you get it through. And I throw it, and I just barely get it through. He's like, nope. You throw it, and you hit that plywood. And it better go through the tire. And I mean, he, he's, he's got me on my knees, you know, because when you're playing catcher, he's got me on my knees, and I've got to throw it, you know. Throw it like that. And, and 90 feet is a long ways for a 10-year-old. So I stand up, and... He gets me up, and he says, now, come here and look at this. And I go look at the plywood, and it's got orange dots all over it. And he said, your velocity is correct when the orange dot shows. If it just kind of tings off of it, you know, just plinks off of it, you're not going to leave any mark, and it's not hard enough. You need to throw 100 balls every day until... This is totally orange. And see, the hard part about this was, <laughs> if I missed, he knew because it left a big orange mark, you know, up in the upper right-hand corner. He's like, what happened here? <laughs> I was like, well, I missed. He's like, yeah, okay. But eventually, where the tire was, was this huge wad of orange. And eventually, I was gunning jokers down left and right without one hopping it. And I had no idea what he was talking about when he wanted me to do it. I just had to trust him and just say, all right, God, Dad, I'm going to take care. I'm going to do what you say. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to follow you because I know you have um, the best plan for me here in baseball. God is, is the same way. He may not improve your accuracy or your velocity on your throw, but when it comes down to your character, when it comes down to your actions, if you can't just step out at some point and say, God, I trust you, I want to follow you, then you are going to miss out on that next level of knowing God, on, on just that next, that next breakthrough in your relationship with Him. Your character is revealed by your actions, and your actions reveal who you worship. Now, how you guys doing? Let me see this. If, if you've got your life and it's not built on Christ, this is good. This is sturdy. I like this. Guys, that didn't have a foundation, did it? 
So it just washed away. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do it again for me. But let's put it on a foundation. How about that? Can you do that? I'm sorry, I had to do that to you. I, I really actually feel bad about that now. We're all of y'all like, thug, punk. All right, let's build this on a good foundation, okay? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come over here and try to knock it off in a minute. So y'all make it sturdy for me, okay? So if your life is built on something other than Christ, I got to tell you, it's shaky. You're on muddy ground. And here's why. Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. Now, I could try to sit here and explain to you, you know, when you follow Christ, you're going to be on a stable foundation. But it all comes down to the fact that you have to do it. You have to follow Him. You have to experience what it's like to trust Him more. And this, and this happens no matter where you're at in a relationship with God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm just starting out, and then these people over here just trust him automatically. I mean, Billy Graham still has to work on his relationship with Christ. He still spends time with God. He still listens to him. He still has to obey him. It doesn't just come, and he's like, oh, I'm a puppet on a string. It's not the way it happens. And sometimes we build our lives up, and, and like I said, we, we don't realize it, but the decisions that we make are not built on Christ, but they're built on ourselves. These unintentional decisions that we make, and normally they're, they're the little decisions, but every decision has an effect. You know what I'm saying? Every decision, every action we take has a reaction, whether it's good or bad. For instance, where you go to school. Let's say college. You're looking at college for a party school or to actually get an education? I mean, what's your defining, you know, stat? Can I go to some rocking parties or can I get an education that's going to further my life? What classes do you take? Do you take the blow-off classes or do you take the challenging classes? What about the people you hang out, from class, hang out with from class? Do they influence you for Christ, or do they, do they influence you for everything else that's going on in this world? The person that you date from those friends, are you dating to grow in Christ? Or are you settling for whatever shows you attention? You could look out like me, look out like me and, and, you know, leave showed me attention, and I'm like, I'll take it! Please marry me, you know? That's rare. I know I lucked out. What about, what about what you eat or where you go to eat? Do you go uh, to build friendships? Do you go out to eat to build friendships or do you go to be seen? You know what I'm saying? You go to the fancy restaurants. And, you know, do you eat what's good for you or do you eat what's bad for you? Is it full of fat or is it just providing your daily nutrition? These decisions have long-term oh, long effects. Because if I eat pizza every single day... I will be a large man. What about where you put your kids in school? Leave and I, I mean, it's hard to find a good school around here, you know? One you can afford anyway, you know? 
Where do you put them? You put them in for a good education, or do you put them in so that it makes it look like you have money? <laughs> you know? Not that everybody who goes to a money school is like that. What about the people you interact with, the parents from school? Do you, you have this superficial relationship with them, or do you actually intentionally try to go deep with them? What about here at church? Do you come to grow and to, to build your understanding and your relationship with Christ, or do you come so that you can be entertained? We try to, we try to keep your attention, but uh, I don't really want to entertain you. That's not our goal. Do you come to serve because you know it's part of the growing process, or do you say, ah, I, I can't, I'm just too busy? When you leave here, do you apply the message to your life? Do you say, yes, I'm going to change, God, I'm going to do my part, or do you say, I got my routine and I'm sticking with it? How's that work in your life? Because here's the thing, what happens when you realize that some of your decisions were unintentionally selfish? It washes away that part of your life. And if a lot of your decisions are unintentionally selfish, then it will wash away almost all of your life. Here's the good thing about that. There's never a bad time to start growing in Christ. There's never a bad time to build a foundation or, look at that, a fortress based upon Christ. When you build a life upon godly decisions, upon godly actions, it is a life that is stable and solid. Jesus says it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You may have heard this message if you're a Christian before. You're going to have storms in your life. Things are going to come at you. You're going to be rocked at some point. But if you cling to the thing that is unmovable, that being Jesus Christ, if you cling to your heavenly Father, you will stand. your next point. A life built on Christ is a life with a strong character. A life built on Christ is a life with strong character. How do I know this? Because Jesus says that if you will take these words and put them into practice, if you will take action on them, and you will develop your character around them, then you will have a life of strong character. And your character is revealed by your actions, and your actions reveal who you worship. What you got going on here, guys? Man, y'all got doors and windows. Y'all going to be architects when you grow up? All right, you ready? What do you think? They got a little men in here. Look at this. I can't see that. Look at that. All right, you ready? Oh, 
Okay, so your possessions inside get rattled a little bit. But the house stands. The character is good. Man, you guys did a great job. Y'all keep going. Have fun. Good job, guys. All right, let me, let me get the band to come on up here. Actually, guys, why don't y'all have a seat? And y'all, can, y'all can finish that up uh, after, after the service. How about that? Thank you guys very much. Let me get the band to come on up here. Here's what I want to do. I want to get us to take a few moments, and I want us to take inventory of our lives. I want us to ask ourselves a very pointed question. Where is it that I have some very loose soil? Where is it that I have part of my life that is not built upon an incredibly strong foundation, that being Christ? Where is it in my life, school, work, whatever it may be, family? Maybe, maybe the rock has turned into mud and you, you built it on the rock, but then it's, you've, you've kind of backtracked, maybe you're moving your house a little bit. Where is it that you need to say, God, I need to commit this part of my life to you? Is your foundation rock solid or is it muddy when it starts to rain? Because God wants to change you and take your life and place it on a rock solid foundation. That being Him. And He wants to change your character through the actions that you take. I hope I've made sense today because your life is built on Christ. And your character is revealed by your actions and your actions reveal what is most important to you. It reveals who you worship. Let's take a few moments. I want you all to write this down. I want you to write down the things in your life that need stronger foundation. I also want you to write down the things in your life that is built that are built upon the rock. So take a few moments here and let's do this.